Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. DKLVI. Well, we have a drop. And I just never get tired of that song. Welcome. Morning. Good morning. Southeast Texas Internet Radio listeners. This is Dr. Levine on Dr. Levine Medical Hour coming to you live from the studios of KLVI here in Beaumont. Texas on a glorious, beautiful Saturday morning. <clears throat> it is just so wonderful. It's cool. It's bright and sunny. It's very refreshing morning. But thank you for joining me. We have um, phone lines open. Give us a call, 896-KLVI. You know, you know the number, but I'm going to tell you anyway. 1-800-330-KLVI. Here we talk about uh, medicine and medical information and try to clear up some misinformation that you might have or something that um, problem you might have you want to talk about or something that your healthcare professional talked about at the office but didn't quite get clarity, um, give us a call and we can talk about it. Um, as you know, we're in the midst of our flu season, upper respiratory infection, and it uh, hasn't been too bad. Um, but, you know, we have seen, you know, some spikes, but it hadn't been too bad. And yesterday we did our uh, recording for our Ask the Doc segment on Channel 6, so thought we'd talk about some of those uh, topics that we talked about uh, yesterday. And uh, one question had to do about uh, food sensitivity. Uh, apparently some someone had received kind of a message on their Facebook account about a product that's available where uh, you... Like obviously, they they send you this um, this lab basically that you can do that checks for food sensitivities. And as you know, some people are sensitive to the feet, the food that they eat. And the one that I mentioned was uh, gluten. Everybody's kind of familiar with gluten free. And uh, there's been an explosion of gluten-free products over the past five to six years. Makes it a lot easier if you feel like you do have a gluten issue to uh, try to eat gluten-free as much as possible. Uh, We have one question here. Hey, Pete, you're live. What's up? Uh, Fine. Good morning, sir. Uh, Recently, my wife had, uh, had a little numbness in her face. And on her hand, accompanied uh, by a small headache, uh, went away, and then it came back about an hour or so later, uh, and then disappeared again. Now, she has an appointment, I think, uh, with her physician Monday, but um, could you give a little bit, maybe possible insight of what uh, may have transpired? Well, anytime we get numbness and tingling, you said it's of the face? Yeah, on the left side of the face, uh-huh. just around the cheek, around her cheek and her mouth. Yeah. And then the back side of her hand, period, on the left, her left hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, anytime 
when, when doctors hear that sort of story, we get concerned about uh, strokes. When we hear facial numbness and tingling and hand numbness and tingling, we get very concerned about strokes. And most of the time, healthcare professionals will advise you or your uh, wife to go get checked out today. Okay, uh, I would. Uh, that was maybe about a year ago. I had a little conversation about an acronym called FAST, F A S T, or FASTER, F A S T E R. And um, it was a little acronym that helps us prioritize strokes and if you have certain symptoms that you need to get checked out. And facial numbness and tingling is one of those symptoms. And so if your wife has certain uh, medical problems such as diabetes or high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or she smokes, <clears throat> then she's pretty high risk for strokes to happen. And so facial numbness and tingling and hand numbness and tingling is one of those symptoms. So I would not wait until Monday. I okay. would go in today to a local emergency department so that they can initiate an evaluation. Uh, because what a lot of times happens when patients have symptoms, it's like a little warning sign. You know, she can go to bed tonight and then wake up and not be able to move her arm or her face might be flat on the left side or, you know, she might not be able to talk. And a lot of times that's when strokes, like big strokes occur is when people are sleeping and then they wake up with these symptoms. So what she's going through could be a little warning sign so I would advise that you go in, you know, take her to the ER this morning um, and, and get her checked out because you can never play around with, you know, heart problems and you can't play around with strokes because things happen so quickly and the, the damage might be permanent that you just don't have any room for error in these situations. You just have to get it checked out ASAP. Okay. So okay. I think that's what I'm going to do. I was wanting to do it last night, and she uh, <laughs> she overruled me. So yeah. this morning, I no. Go ahead and get her checked out, just so that everybody's happy at the end of the day, and uh, we don't overlook or miss anything. All righty. Right. Thank you, sir. All right, bud. Appreciate it. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we talked about that acronym in the in the past. Faster. F A S T E R. And it's a good time to, to go over that. I mean, we need to talk about that as frequently as possible because, you know, that's a strokes and heart attacks are a big problem in our country. Um, you know, cancer is second. And, you know, we have, you know, because of our obesogenic society that we live in now, um, cardiovascular disease is a manifestation or a long-term complication of being obese. So, we see strokes every day. We see heart attacks every day. I mean, every day they come into the hospital, you know, because of the, the prevalence and the incidence of this problem. And so, we, you know, we need to be familiar with the symptoms and signs of strokes and heart attacks. And I think most people, they have the, the heart attack, chest pain thing down. That's, they have that down. Um, it's just a stroke. We're trying to increase the awareness of that. And, you know, if they say if you have 
cardiovascular disease in one location, then you probably have it in another. And what that means is, you know, if you have some poor circulation in your legs, you probably have it in your heart and brain as well. If you had had a heart attack, you probably have some peripheral vascular disease or some some problems in your brain. And it's easy to check that stuff out. And it's all about working on the risk factors. And you all know the risk factors. You listen to my show enough. High blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, smoking, family history. Can't change that one. But those are all the risk factors. Anyway, the, the FAST acronym, I, I had the FASTER. They have a FASTER, F-A-S-T-E-R, but I only have the FAST. And that's you know, the F is a uh, face, so just as this caller had, this, this patient had some facial symptoms. Um, they talk about facial drooping. Uh, that's a bit more severe symptom, just when the face goes flat and looks like flat as a pancake. That just means all the musculature has lost its ability to work, and so the face goes completely flat, you know, one side of the face when you where you look at Look at a person, and you can tell that one side is just completely flat. Um, but numbness and tingling on one side of the face will work as well. And the uh, A is arms. So if one arm is weak or numb, so very similar to this patient, they had some numbness there in the left hand. That's basically the arm. So it could be the hand, but it's the extremity, basically. And your extremity is, you know, like your arm, your leg. That's an extremity. That's what we call that in the medical world. So if any extremity has numbness, weakness, tingling, and especially if it's on the same side as the, you know, facial numbness and tingling, um, you know, we get doubly concerned about that. So she had two out of the, th- of, out of the three. S is speech. So slurred speech, um, can they repeat a sentence correctly, any sort of speech abnormality. We get that one a lot, the slurred speech. Um, they, someone, the, pe- the patient is having a stroke, they call someone and try to talk, and they can't get their words out, and then the other person realizes that. So F-A-S, face, arms, speech. So, you know, if you have that, then you know, get in and get checked out ASAP because, you know, you could be having a stroke. And uh, the faster, the, the T is just time. So it was just making you aware that just like with a heart attack, you're having chest pain off and on. You know, time is of the essence. You need to get in and get checked out. And the EMS system and the ERs and the hospitals, you know, everything is kind of set up and arranged. If you're having a true heart attack, you're having a true stroke, you get significantly prioritized. There's a system in place where you kind of get testing done in, a, in an immediate response sort of way. And people are kind of waiting around. And, you know, when someone comes in with a stroke or heart attack, you know, the whole hospital gets alerted to it so that everybody is on alert and can prioritize this patient because, again, time is of the essence. You know, they do have medications available now for strokes that if you are having a stroke, and I have to clarify, there's two types of strokes. Uh, the one that we see most commonly is called ischemic stroke. It's just when you have a blood clot that develops in one of the blood vessels that feeds your brain. and and, and this is another thing that a lot of people ask. They'll come into the office with with nerve pain, 
and they'll say, I just want to make sure I'm not having a stroke. And just so you know, strokes do not cause pain because a stroke is when the brain doesn't work. So the brain perceives pain. It tells you when you have pain. So when your brain doesn't work, then you, you have decreased sensation of pain. So a stroke typically is not, uh, I should say pain, is not typically a stroke symptom. Um, now, you could still be having a stroke and have pain somewhere else, but I'm just saying that that's not one of the symptoms that we typically think about in terms of, of a stroke. Most of the time that's going to be related to like a nerve being irritated or pinched or inflamed, which we call that neuropathy or radiculopathy. Um, the most common, obviously, is diabetes, um, but you have, can have pinched nerves, especially in your spine. We see that a lot in this country. The neck gets degenerative or degenerated, the back, the lower back, just, again, from the obesity issue, the inflammatory nature of our society in terms of how we eat and drink and how we take care of ourselves. We start getting musculoskeletal pain, so in the neck and the back, and as that gets worse, you know, start having numbness, tingling going down your arm. And that's a very interesting point about this patient. You know, she could have something else. She could have certainly neuropathy from, from other causes that's causing numbness and tingling of the face and the arm. But stroke is the thing that has to be prioritized and worked up just to make sure because, again, there's a lot of times no coming back from stroke once you have it. There's different sizes of strokes. Um, you can have small ones. You can have big ones. And so, you know, the small ones, you tend to come back from a lot faster and have a full recovery. And the big ones obviously cause more damage, that typically more permanent damage. But, again, it's, it's very tricky, very, very tricky, even for, you know, physicians who've been in the game a long time with these, these presentation of symptoms and you just have to prioritize what's the most worst-case scenario right now, and that's kind of how you prioritize your evaluation and your workup. Then if all that's fine, then you have time to kind of do other testing and maybe adjustments of meds to try and figure out why this person's having numbness and tingling. But uh, the other type of stroke is what we call hemorrhagic stroke, and that's when you bleed in your brain, and those are less common. And typically that's from really poorly controlled high blood pressure or an aneurysm that's in the circulation that a person was unaware of. Or we get this a, a lot in elderly patients. You know, we use a lot of blood thinners like Plavix and aspirin and Xarelto. And unfortunately, these things can cause spontaneous bleeding in the brain. It's one of the risk factors. And we don't see it often, but again, we do see it. So hemorrhagic stroke, ischemic stroke, we mainly see ischemic. And so numbness and tingling of the face and the hand, especially on the same side, is very worrisome for your brain not receiving proper blood flow. And this is a warning sign. This is a symptom. And that's the one you need to go get checked out. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you're traveling down the road, going, going out of town, and you start having these symptoms, get into an emergency department, get checked out. ASAP. I'm going to go on my first break. If you have any questions about strokes or heart attacks, give us a call, 896-KLVI, 1-800-330-KLVI. I'll be back in two minutes. 
All right, welcome back to the Dr. Levine Show. Phone lines open 896-KLVI or 1-800-330-KLVI. Talking about strokes and heart attacks this morning. If you have any questions about that, uh, give, please give us a call. It's also talking about food sensitivity and uh, whether or not <clears throat> you know you need to check for food sensitivity. Apparently there was a uh, person who received kind of a message from a business or a company advertising the ability to check blood to see if you're sensitive to certain foods. And they were kind of wanting to know if it was legit or, you know, is there anything to it? Do I need to do it? Um, and uh, the one thing I talked about was just the, the issue with uh, gluten because I, I think that's kind of the, the more that, – that's the bigger um, issue with food sensitivity right now is gluten sensitivity, and I think it's real. Um, and basically gluten is a, a protein that uh, is found in wheat, and as you know, wheat is a main ingredient in a lot of the products that Americans eat um, in the whole uh, food uh, processing world. Uh, wheat is a part of a part of that, you know, main ingredient, especially, you know, a lot of the starches that we consume, you know, breads, biscuits, crackers, uh, you know, anything made with flour. So wheat flour is kind of the, the main ingredient in a lot of the, the starchy products that we consume every single day. Well, you know, there's been a growing concern and awareness that <clears throat> this particular protein or ingredient, uh, when people consume it, uh, they, it produces uh, the inflammatory engine in our body to rev up and people will have symptoms related to the inflammatory system in our body revving up. So um, some of the symptoms basically mimic symptoms you get when you get sick for any reason, right? Because anytime you get sick, the inflammatory system normally turns on. There are various reasons why you, your inflammatory system might turn on, but these symptoms are kind of the same because, okay, when you're inflamed, you're inflamed. and these physical symptoms kind of reoccur. So we talk about fatigue all the time, joint pain, rashes, headaches, um, mental fogginess, sleepiness, achiness, sometimes gastrointestinal um, symptoms like diarrhea, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, um, certainly, um, oh, um, I shouldn't say weight gain. I, I haven't, haven't seen that. Just flour and starch in general, we get the weight gain issue just because it's a very calorie dense sort of product. Um, but doesn't really have anything to do with the inflammatory uh, system being turned on uh, directly necessarily. So it's mainly those symptoms that occur when you eat it. And it, it occurs, you know, about, uh, 20, 30 minutes afterwards, and so people feel this. And really, you don't necessarily have to check your blood system for it, although these, and I don't know exactly what the company's name was or what you had to go through, but um, they don't really promote uh, checking for different sensitivities uh, unless, you know, you're having some unexplained physical symptoms, you've been to the doctor, hadn't really figured out anything, and you know, it's just something you want to try. Because you know, I think over time, you know, there's just going to be more and more direct-to-consumer advertising, and so more people will get sort of advertised to do all sorts of things and check all sorts of things. 
you know, bypassing your physician. And so, um, you know, some of it's pretty neat stuff. Uh, so not all of it is garbage or, or just totally useless. It kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, any information that you can get about how your body functions and works, you know, can be a good thing. It's just that sometimes it's too much information. You're not quite sure what to do with the information. And even doctors sometimes are not quite sure what to do with the information. And so I think that's the issue you get into. You know, a person who's having physical symptoms, not quite sure what's going on. They might want to check into food sensitivity or, or food allergies. And I'm, I'm assuming you kind of get a printout of what foods you might be allergic to. And that can be very cumbersome. But a lot of this stuff, when you know, we go to the doctor's office and we think maybe something's bothering you, we just say, oh, well, don't, you know, don't consume it. Just avoid it. And that's all you can do. But let's say you get a printout and it's several different things and like, hey, I have to eat something. So, you know, that, that can be a huge problem, you know, especially, as I mentioned, if, you know, it's um, five or six different groups of things and that kind of... Uh, um, prevent you from eating kind of a, a regular diet that can be cumbersome, you know, on top of your already busy day and all of the other responsibilities that you might have. So we don't necessarily promote, you know, checking that, but it's certainly something you can do on your own. And even if you feel like you have a gluten sensitivity, then uh, normally we just ask you to eat gluten-free products. And there's just a ton of that stuff um, that's available now, even in local grocery stores. You can go on, online and, and get a lot of that stuff, especially like the holidays uh, coming up. Um, you know, people, we like, we like to eat the breads and, and the, the pastas and the rices during Thanksgiving. And, I mean, they have a ton of gluten-free products out there where you can do that. Now, it, I've eaten gluten-free stuff, and it just... It, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You can tell it's different. It's certainly not like the old thing. Um, so it takes some getting used to uh, when you're eating these things. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not, not terrible, not too bad. But, yeah, just avoidance of the gluten, a lot of times you feel, you feel better. And a lot of times you can do it with you know, a couple of weeks. You're avoiding these products, and you can kind of instantly feel that, hey, maybe that's that thing that I'm sensitive to. And you can just kind of test, you know, eat something gluten, you get the symptoms, avoid it, you don't. And that's pretty much all you have to do. And that, that goes for any sort of concern you might have for any sort of food sensitivity uh, out there. You know, you just avoid it, and that's it. But, you know, if you want some blood testing, there's no harm in that. Just 
saying you probably don't have to do it, you know, because uh, too much information is bad as well. They um, even, I'd say about a few years ago, uh, we used to do some genetic testing where we would kind of swab the mouth and send it off to this lab and we would get this printout back that told us kind of what sort of medicines would work best for a particular patient. It's all had to do with knowing your genetic makeup and it can make that very cumbersome as well. You know, because your insurance company might not pay for it or you've, you've t- taken it before and even though the printout says you should, you should be able to tolerate it, you've tried it before and you can't tolerate it. So there's issues with that. And, and for me, it basically turned out to just be too much information, too conflicting, and uh, just not where it needs to be right now to be used in, in private practice to really help people. You, you really have to, unfortunately, there's trial and error with medications uh, these days, but every healthcare professional has a certain comfort level with certain medicines, with certain diseases, and those are the things we use. I've told you before that with diabetes in particular, um, we have so many decisions now because we have so many medicines on the market that um, the options are almost infinite at this time in terms of what medicine or groups of medicines and dosages you might be on. So every healthcare profession you go to kind of reaches and grabs for different medicines just because they have a comfort level and their experience obviously gives them sort of the edge that they feel like they need to make a decision about a certain product. So the more experience a doctor has typically with these meds, the better they can maneuver through these uh, medications. But um, you'll, you'll get a lot of options, and that's why a lot of times patients will get a little upset, a little confused going to different docs, and they're having to try all these different meds. and the sack of meds keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, unfortunately, um, just because at this point in time, we don't have any way of knowing what medicine's gonna work for a particular person when we prescribe. And then we have the issue with adverse reaction that we can never get around that, even though I've prescribed this medicine to maybe nine patients, I might have a 10th one that it the medicine reacts to, and we have to deal with that as well. So anyway, if you have any questions about strokes, heart attacks, med side effects, um, food sensitivities, give us a call 896-KLVI or 1-800-330-KLVI. I'll be back in two minutes. All right. Welcome back to the Doc Levine Show, 896-KLVI, 1-800-330-KLVI. Phone lines are open. We had a uh, camera-shy caller. Wanted to know about Baker's cysts, popliteal cysts, Baker's cysts, B-A-K-E-R, cyst. And a very common problem that we see. Uh, Basically, it's a fluid-filled cyst that tends to occur on the back of the knee. Um, you just see a little uh, little tumor there, a little mass there on the back of the knee. <clears throat> and it can occur at just about any age, but we typically see it um, in, in someone who's older. Um, it can be 40, 30, 50 year old. And just a little uh, mass there normally on the back of the knee. And it's normally not painful. And, you know, most of the time they're pretty small, but they can get pretty large. And um, 
they uh, normally occur in people who have arthritic problems, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis. Uh, it's normally when we see those particular uh, problems. And a patient would come and say, oh, I got this uh, thing in the back of my knee. I don't know what it is. And so, uh, you know, you can press on it. It doesn't hurt. And a lot of times, sometimes we'll get x-rays and ultrasound just to make sure it's not any blood or any sort of infection. Um, tumors a lot of times can present as masses. And tumors tend to be hard as a rock. You know, like when you press on it, it's, it's almost like if there was a rock underneath there. That's a tumor. That's... That's a big concern of cancer, but normally when it's kind of soft and squishy, um, then that's normally fluid in there, and you know that tends to be a benign process um, that you don't have to worry about. But uh, you can never be too careful. So uh, if it's a new diagnosis, a lot of times we will just image it. You know, a lot of times with the ultrasound, make sure there's fluid in there, and uh, most of the time with these Baker's uh, cysts, we just uh, recommend you watch it uh, just because it doesn't have to be removed and because it communicates with the inside of your knee and the inside of your knee if it's on the back of your knee or let's say it's on your arm it can present on your arm as well like in the little crease where your arm bends um, it can present there as well but normally wherever it presents it's communicating with a joint that has fluid in it and the fluid's always kind of there so that the cyst will always kind of be there um you know let's say because most people when they come in like hey i want it i want it drained I, I just want you to take care of it if we drain it and normally they just um do that you know with the needle and just go right into the center of it and and what they call aspirate the center part of the fluid and it'll go down, but because it's communicating normally with an, uh, the joint that there's always fluid there, that fluid will just go right back where it started and uh, reaccumulate. And so we normally don't really recommend doing anything about it um, just because it's benign and you know no one wants to put you through a big surgery to remove uh, something that's benign. Um, but they can get pretty large, uh, like I say, especially on the back of the uh, leg. And I think just for comfort, you know, I, I, we normally, if it gets that big and, it, and the person wants to drain, we'll send them to the orthopedic doctors. And they will go ahead and sometimes drain it uh, just to give you some comfort, especially if it's really large. Um, they'll, they'll drain it. And it probably can be drained multiple times if you need it. Uh, but most of the time, we just kind of uh, reassure you. And uh, sometimes it goes away on its own. Um, but otherwise, you know, you can try some anti-inflammatories to see if that will uh, help. And I guess worst case scenario, yes, they can perform an operation to try and remove that. But it's, it's not something that we recommend just firsthand. Um, I think if it's small, just go ahead and try to live with it. But if it's big and just doesn't want to get better, the orthopedic doctors can maybe do some more aggressive surgical things to try and deal with it. Um, but the main thing is just to try and make sure it's not anything else. And uh, certainly, uh, once we realize it's just a Baker cyst, like I said, we you know can drain it, we can inject some steroid in it, 
um, see if that'll help with it. But it, it tends to be something that's just kind of a pain in the butt sort of problem. You know, nothing serious. Um, but uh, the orthopedic doctors normally ma uh, handle or manage that. So Baker's C-Y-S-T. Anyway, we, uh, the other question that we had on the show yesterday was about body mass index. And I've mentioned that several times on the show. And uh, BMI, body mass index, you know, we use it's a ratio with your height and your weight. And this um, person was concerned that, you know, maybe it's not a good enough measure. You know, um, they were wanting to know if it factored in, um, you know, just your muscle mass and all these other factors. And I, I guess this person was a little frustrated because their BMI was, was abnormal, but they felt like they were in good shape. And, you know, if I'm in good shape and I'm eating right, why is my BMI bad? You know, so they were just kind of wondering about just the body mass index number or indicator and, you know, how useful it is. And, you know, basically we, we talk about know your numbers. And so th those are several numbers. So blood pressure, cholesterol, your A1C, and your body mass index. So it's several numbers. And I think what that basically means is, not you know, one number doesn't really – outdo all the other numbers. So the more information you have, like I mentioned, the better you'll know or get a better picture or clarity of, of what's going on with your health, which is why we have several numbers. So BMI is one. I think it's pretty good. It's just an indi um, uh, a broad indication of whether or not you're just uh, overweight or not. So yes, we do have some people who um, they're heavy for other reasons. Again, maybe they're um, very muscular. They exercise a lot. They, you know, they have a lot of body mass, but they're lean. And the BMI, and then they're short. Maybe they're short or not very tall. Uh, because basically, I guess you want to balance. You know, if if you're tall, then with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can be more heavy. And if you're short, then you can't be as heavy. I guess it's kind of the way that works out. But uh, like I said, people can be lean but still heavy but not have a lot of medical problems. So I think that's where that comes into play. And, you know, it's, it's not the one measure that we base every decision on. So it's a piece of the puzzle. So you don't have to get too overly concerned. But it, it does help guide doctors and healthcare professionals and anyone trying to make decisions about their health. It does it is an added benefit to, to know that because it just kind of puts you in a certain category. So, you know, BMI, we kind of want it at 25. Uh, once it starts going above that, <clears throat> that's normally when there's an indication of weight gain. And so for most of us, the average person, yes, it is going to be fairly helpful to determine if you're obese or not. There's going to be a small population where they're, they're exercising, but they're bulky and heavy for other reasons. And yes, the BMI might be high. So it's really not geared for that person. The BMI is kind of geared for the average American out there who's just trying to determine 
do I have a problem or not? So as your weight obviously goes up, which, you know, as I mentioned, is an indication of obesity, then the BMI will start to go up. And so 30 is kind of the point where we say this is getting pretty serious. You know, anything between like 25 and 29, yeah, you're overweight and, you know, you need to kind of work on what you're eating and your exercise. But as it hits 30 above, that's normally when patients are having medical problems related to their elevated BMI. Blood pressure's kicked in, maybe the sugar's kicked in, joint pain, high cholesterol, you know, this what we call metabolic derangement that occurs when you start gaining weight. And most people who've lost weight know what I mean because it's almost like their body comes alive and the energy goes through the roof, their pain goes away, they can dump several of their metabolic medicines, as we say, and those are your blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes medicines. Those are the metabolic derangement medicines. You can eliminate a lot of that. So it, I, it's always wonderful when patients come to office and it's, they really get it when they've lost some weight. And in counseling patients, we try to make it as reachable as possible. Uh, honestly, if you can just lose 10 or 15 pounds, no matter how much you weigh right now, if you can just lose 10 or 15 pounds, I mean, that's tremendous. And most people feel it when they lose the 10 or 15 pounds. They really feel the benefit of just that mild weight loss and get excited, basically, and want to keep going because, you know, they're frustrated with the way they feel. They know they feel bad. Um, they, they, they would like to feel better. It's almost like being in a cave and you just don't know how to get out of it. That's how a lot of people feel. They know they're, they're sick. They know they need to get in better shape, but just don't have a solution. And, you know, that's where all the confusion comes from out there because you're getting bombarded with all sorts of suggestions and recommendations. This food, that food, um, this sort of exercise program, that sort of exercise program. And it, it does take a while to figure out what works for you, but certainly try to invest some time into doing that. And I just try to keep it simple in the office um, in terms of what people need to do or not. Remember the surgeries are out there as well. The uh, gastric sleeve operation for weight loss is out there. And in my experience, it works a high percentage of the time while minimizing the potential complications of a surgery. And again, there's no guarantee, whoever you go to, that there won't be any complications. With any sort of surgery, there's always got to be concern for the potential of complications. But this gastric sleeve, in my opinion, has done a really good job of balancing all the concerns with minimizing complications, but achieving results as well. Remember, we had the lap band, which, again, is probably the most least invasive of all the surgeries, just kind of this ring around your esophagus. But in my experience, it didn't really work very well for most patients. Patients regain their weight back pretty quickly. Uh, they somehow got around that that obstruction. And then there's the bypass, which has come a long, long way in terms of its complication rate. And the surgeons that perform these operations 
know, they have gotten a lot better with the outcomes and the techniques. But again, it's a lot of rerouting of your intestines and you want to try and minimize that as much as possible. So the sleeve is kind of right there sitting in the middle and, uh, you know, minimal downtime, minimal complications. But in my experience with patients tends to be very effective, you know, losing 40, 50, 60 pounds. I mean, that is tremendous. I mean, people look totally different. It's amazing. Um, just had a patient in the office a couple of days, young girl, who was, you know, overweight and had an operation and, you know, came in for other things. But I always ask patients, I'd like to look and see what they look like when they were overweight. And it's just tremendous how just weight loss changes your entire appearance. Um, and, and again, you know, bright appearing, a lot of energy. And so I'm a big fan of surgeries for weight loss. Um, weight problems if you're struggling, if you can afford it, if you can find someone who can do it. And, you know, insurance companies, I'm not quite sure why they're not on board yet with these because, again, when you lose weight, you know, you don't have to come to the doctors often. The blood pressure gets easier to control, the diabetes, pain meds. Again, remember I've mentioned to you that just weight gain itself will start to generate pain just in your joints, you just your skin, you just don't feel good, right? Why? Because the inflammation engine has been kicked on. And when that weight starts going down, then that inflammatory system engine turns off and it just brings you back out of the dundrums, you know, out of the cave. You're bust out of the cave and just a new person. So I'm a big fan of it. Look into it if you're having problems with your weight. Anyway, we're going to go on our last break. If you have any questions about Weight gains, surgeries, strokes, heart attacks, give us a call. 896-KLVI, 1-800-330-KLVI. I'll be back. All right, and welcome back to the Dr. Levine Show, <clears throat> final segment. Uh, again, if you have any questions, we can squeeze that in. 896-KLVI, 1-800-330-KLVI. Uh, just a <clears throat> recap of the show. Again, if you are having any sort of symptoms that could be related to stroke, get in and get checked out as soon as possible. Remember the acronym FAST, F-A-S-T, face, arms, and speech. Um, that's sort of somewhat of a medical emergency. It's not something you want to ignore, especially if you're a smoker, your diabetes is not controlled very well, cholesterol, high blood pressure, you know, all those things that, that needs to be prioritized. and need to uh, get in and, um, you know, get uh, checked out. But uh, the body mass index, it's uh, certainly something that we want you to realize. If it's 30 or above, then, you know, and if you haven't had a checkup, you know, go to your doctor, get some blood work, check your blood pressure, as well as check for sleep apnea. You know, I've talked about that on the show before. As your BMI starts to climb 30, 35, 40, sleep apnea will certainly start to be uh, an issue. And um, it, it's not the sort of thing that most people are aware of, but if you have it, it's um, causing problems typically of your cardiovascular system. Basically, you're not sleeping. It's producing stress. It's producing inflammation at nighttime. A lot of the truckers are now having to do that for their DOT physical. If their BMI is a certain number, they're having to get sleep studies, which I totally agree with that sort of thing. Unfortunately, our truck drivers in general are struggling with their health. 
uh, for various reasons. And I've found that obstructive sleep apnea is a very, very common medical problem with truckers. And so if you're overweight, then you need to get a sleep study. Just go go to your healthcare professional and ask for a sleep study. Even if you don't feel bad, just ask for it. Just like checking your blood pressure, checking your lab. If your BMI is 30 above, you should be asking for a sleep study from your healthcare professional. They can do them at home now, so it's convenient. But if not, they can do them at a sleep lab. Um, and this is a disease that needs to be treat, treated, obstructive uh, sleep apnea. And don't forget about uh, food sensitivity. If you have a possible food sensitivity, just try to avoid the food and see if you feel better. And gluten is kind of the more popular, more common one that most people are familiar with. Just eat something gluten-free and you should feel better. Anyway, thanks for joining me for another edition of Ask, um, sorry, Dr. Levine Show. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Remember, don't drink and drive. Drink your water and at least get a little exercise in and eat some vegetables every day. That's your medicine. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.